This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Well, welcome to all of you out there. We are here on the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance, and I'm joined today by a very special guest. This is uh, Tim Garten joining us. Tim is a member here at Cornerstone Church, but what you need to know about Tim is he's been a leader here in the community of Ames for a number of years. And what I want Tim to do is we just want to have a little dialogue about what does it look like for Christians to be faithful in the public square? In, In particular, Tim's been involved as a political leader, as a community leader. What does knowing Jesus do to shape the way we interact in those spaces? Do I, I'm convinced we need Christians who are a faithful presence in these spaces. And I really, Tim, think you've been an incredible model. So, Tim, thanks for being on the Equip po- Podcast, first of all. Good to see you here. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, visit with you today. Okay, so Tim, let's let's establish a little bit. I said Tim has served as a community leader here in Ames. What are some of the areas in our community where you've kind of led throughout the years, and where are you serving currently? Mm-hmm. Well, for the last ten years, uh, I've served as one of six members of the Ames City Council. Um, I'm also involved in uh, leadership with our Ames chapter of the NAACP, and I chair the Ames Patriotic Council. We organized the Memorial Day and Veterans Day programs for the community. And then I'm also pretty involved in the uh, Iowa State Bar Association. Um, so um, I've had a lot of uh, service opportunities before going on council, um, but needed to scale back a lot of those uh, once I uh, began my first term on city council. Okay, so how'd you get into that? Uh, the, especially the city council side, Tim, I'm curious about that. What first prompted you to run for office and what did that look like running for office as a Christian? Like, how did you approach that? Yeah, there's a lot to this, but um, briefly, um, I was pretty involved in a community um, when we first got here in 1996, we moved back to Ames. It was because of Cornerstone. Uh, I didn't move here because of the law firm. It was because of the desire to raise our family in Cornerstone Church, and that was in 1996, and was in very was involved in kids sports, uh, heavily involved in uh, scouting and other, and then various nonprofits. And uh, I follow politics pretty closely and watch national politics. And uh, something happened in 2010 where the state of Iowa was going in a direction with its budget. That frankly terrified me. Um, I love Iowa State University, and I was afraid that the budget decisions that the state was making would harm this university that I love. And so I took the plunge. Um, my wife and I talked extensively, prayed about this uh, council, and I ran for the Iowa Senate in 2010. Um, I was not successful in that venture, but I had a wonderful experience running for office. And we could talk about some of the mechanics of that, um, what it means to run as a as a Christ follower, um, the distinctives I think that that meant. Um, but that that learning of the community. I mean, I door knocked on five to six thousand doors in Ames. I mean, I could deliver wow. pizza anywhere in Ames right now. Wow! Um, yeah. Um, and so that was that was sort of the starting point. And maybe I should, I'll come up for air for questions. But yeah. 
Oh, that okay. I'm fascinated by a bunch of this actually here, Tim. Because so you ran for Senate first, City Council. You said you've been on for ten years. So when did you join City Council, and what did that look like? Yeah. So I had several people let me know that there was an opening coming up on the City Council, and I spent nine months going to City Council meetings because I wasn't sure that that was the right fit for me. So I is that the more I learned about what the city does, the services they provide, the more I realized that I think it was a really good fit for me. And so I ran for the city council in 2013. And um, uh, again, I, I want to stress uh, my wife, Tara, has been an integral part of all of these decisions, and, as well as the kids. And mm -hmm. um, so that's that's sort of the timing of that. So what's it looked like for you? Because you're motivated in some ways, Tim, by a broader, you know, sort of political environment in the state. But what cities do is, is very different than what you would do at like in an Iowa Senate sort of uh, spot. What has that looked like serving on the city council names? What do you do? And what are some of the challenges maybe unpack that a little bit? as a Christian in that public sphere that you could try to walk through to be a faithful presence there? Yeah. So many great questions. So first um, in Iowa, our local offices for, for city council and school board are nonpartisan. And in the hyper-partisan world we live in right now, I am so glad I am in the space I'm in. I don't wear anyone's Jersey. And so that allows us to focus on the work of the city without the partisan stuff getting in the way. So if you think about what a city does, um, when you get up in the morning and turn the lights on, we provide those lights. You turn the water on, it's city water. Uh, if you, you go out and you drive on the roads, uh, those are city roads. Um, if you call 911 and you need help with police or fire, those are our people. Your kids go to the library, that's our library. They participate in parks and rec. That's our parks and rec. Our hospital is a municipal hospital, but I don't have, we don't have any role in overseeing that. Um, we also are very involved in economic development as well as social service issues. So it's really a very broad category. And I'm sort of interested in what happens when you flush your toilet. How mechanically do we make all of this thing work? The water, the, the lights, the, and we have just wonderful people who serve as our city staff. Um, that's been a great delight. We could talk about that. Um, but some of the issues, um, uh, I, I work with five other council members and a mayor and we have different worldviews and I think we benefit from that. And so, um, sort of the idea of plurality of leadership. And so in those situations, we don't always agree. And again, that's not a bad thing. I think it's healthy. I'm not always right. In fact, I think we should have a posture. I mean, I've been married long enough to just presume I'm probably not right. And, and we should bring that into our government services and just, let's just assume that we don't get it right all the time. And, and let's be teachable. And I think that that makes for better governance. Um, there are times when, as we attempt to model civility, as hard as we try, we can, uh, disagree without being disagreeable. There are times when, we don't always get that right. And just like in a family, sometimes you have to apologize. Um, and we work very hard to uh, treat everyone fairly. There's, we should be no favoritism. So you should measure us by the way we treat the very 
well-off and the very poorest. Uh, that should be the, the yardstick that we treat everyone the same. And then um, I, I'd love to talk about um, getting out of our silos, but I'll, I'll come up for air on that. <laughs> I, okay. I, I do. Let's unpack that just a little bit yeah. because you've, you've given several principles, Tim, of how we model this as Christians, how we engage in the public sphere. Mm-hmm. And one of them, the phrases you've talked about is how we have to work to get outside of our silo. Yeah. That actually sounds to me very different from the political climate that I hear Christians live in. Uh, right now. Because if anything, I think Christians right now often are told, stay inside your silo and fight for the rights of your silo so that you don't lose your silo. You're you're advocating we need to approach this a bit differently. Just unpack that a little, because I think it's so important right now. Yeah. So let me share this in the form of a story. When I first got on council, there was a council member that politically we're on very different places. I didn't know him very well, and uh, I reached out to him, and I hope it's okay I can say this on this podcast, but I asked him to go out for a beer with me after a meeting. You're, you're totally okay. allowed to say that, Tim. <laughs> this is, that's kosher okay. here. You're good. <laughs> and so we went out for a beer, and um, we were, it was sort of initially sort of getting a sense of who each other was, and it didn't take long before we realized that even though we were sort of living in different silos, we had so much in common. And what grew out of those post-meeting visits was a deep friendship. And I care deeply about uh, him and his family. And it was wonderful. There were, there'd be times when we'd have city council meetings and there'd be votes and it'd be four, two, you know, he and I were on the same place and everyone's like, what, how is that possible? How is it two people that politically are on such different pages have carved off a space where they're voting in the minority together? And, and I think that so often we, we make presumptions about other people. And once, once we actually spend time in getting to know them and we realize, oh my stars, we have so much more in common than we realized. And we may have differences of approaches, but our end goal is the same. And so, we, we capitalized on our common ground. We leveraged that and good things happen. Okay. So let's unpack a few influences because you're a thinker, Tim, and you're a reader. People have influenced even why you're in politics or how you got in. Mm-hmm. So, so I know people who are listening to this, some of them are going to be aspiring and thinking, maybe I should pursue a political career. Maybe I should think about this. I should get more engaged. Give a few of the influences that have shaped your views biblically, um, just worldview of how you see things that just really were helpful to you. Well, um, I, I would really start back uh, as a freshman at Iowa State in 1985. I was in Troy Nesbitt's freshman men's group. And one of the first verses I memorized was Mark 10, 45, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was very shaping for me because honestly, that was, that was not descriptive of me before that. And God has started that process of, of changing me. And I believe all of us in following our Lord should have a posture of service. Now that posture of service will manifest itself differently depending on our circumstances. But all of us should be finding ways to serve. And I'd like to talk about that later on. But in terms of other 
sources. Um, I read uh, Francis Schaeffer's How Should We Then Live? Totally blew me out of the water. I had never thought about how everything should be brought under the cross. Highly recommend that work. And then another work that I, I read maybe uh, five or six years ago is Eric Swanson's To Transform a City um, about Boulder, Colorado and their experiences. Highly recommend that book. But where, where I am now is I believe that I should work very hard to be faithful as a citizen of two kingdoms. I am, a, I am a child of God in his kingdom, and I am a citizen of Ames, Iowa, here in the United States. And so um, usually I can navigate those citizenship uh, requirements pretty well. Sometimes they come in conflict. Um, but there are also some non-theological uh, influences. And I want to give a couple books quickly. Um, Robert Putnam's book, Our Kids, has been very, very influential to me. Wonderful writer from Harvard. I wish one of a Christ follower had written this book. Um, but it's helped me to understand how our country has, again, I use the word silos, has um, become um, accustomed to raising our children in a way that we no longer care about the children in other silos. And when I read that, um, the the next day, I happened to come across the Des Moines Register article on how uh, Iowa schools are failing children. And I, I learned about how even in Ames, uh, African-American children in third grade were reading at 30 points behind their white counterparts. And I realized this is these are my kids. This isn't someone else's kids. These are our kids. And I think a biblical perspective is informed by that. And then... Um, Nicholas Kristof is a writer for the New York Times who wrote a fantastic book on a path of peers about encouraging people to serve in their community. And he's approaching this from a very secular perspective, but it was just like, that was a jumpstart for my own heart. And then finally, uh, if, if the, the listeners could see my office, uh, I would, I could turn my camera and show them. There are four portraits I have here. Um, uh, Lincoln, Churchill, Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman, all four of these people, very different settings. But one of the things they all have in common is that they've, they devoted their lives to things bigger than themselves. And there are times when I get tired and, and sad and I don't know what to do. And I, I have these guys looking over my shoulder and they inspire me. I've read biographies on them and uh, they've been very formative in my views of leadership and service. Well, Tim, I want to amen a ton of that. My goodness, even the sources you cited, we, we read so many similar sources that I've recently read uh, a lot by David Van Drunen on uh, kind of two kingdoms, living in God's two kingdoms, which articulates even some of that, the perspective of saying, as a Christian, I just think I grew up thinking only of the heavenly kingdom. So I basically thought I'm going to tolerate this world till I get to heaven. And I think a more biblical rationale, even what uh, Dr. Schreiner offered as he was here teaching on politics and theology, just helps to ground us that we're citizens of the kingdom of God, but we're temporary residents in the kingdom of man, and we have duties to both kingdoms. We have responsibilities that Christ calls us to, and you've modeled that. So so I want to get really practical, Tim, as we kind of come to the final few questions that I've got to honor your time and the time of the listeners is 
I want people to think really concretely as Christians, what does it look like for me to get involved? So walk us through how you would advise people. If they're saying, I I do want to get more involved politically or inside of my local community, what are a few practical steps? Because it probably doesn't start with, I need to run for office. Although I think it might terminate there for some, probably doesn't start there. So what are the first few steps to civic engagement, Tim? Yeah. Um, so as a side note, we should, you should do a podcast sometime on just sort of how the evangelical church got here. So we didn't just well, that's sort a of good appear idea. here. Um, there is a very important history of how the evangelical church and the mainline churches went very different directions. And, and we are caught up in that part of the stream where we are now. And I am absolutely thrilled to be a part of a time when Christ Church is pivoting and turning its gaze and towards this, the uh, the community and, and asking hard questions, what does it mean for us to serve in the community? So that's an idea for a podcast. But l- let me give you, for those who are th- contemplating, I wonder if this is ever something that I would consider doing. And then I'll back into your question on service. So there are three things I look for for people who come to see me and they want to run for office. I look for a resume of community service. I want to know that they aren't just living in a particular, again, I'll use the word silo. Service in the community gives them exposure to a variety of different life situations. Secondly, I'm looking for someone who's able to play nicely in the sandbox. We work collectively and just sometimes we just have very strong disagreements and you can't self-explode. You have to find a way to find common ground and be thoughtful and loving and caring if I can't model Jesus on the city council, I shouldn't be doing this. And But the, this final one I want to stress so much is I'm looking for, for candidates who have friends that are different than them. And I tell Republican candidates, I said, I asked them, how many of your close friends are liberal Democrats? And I've had these conversations where they've said, well, actually none. And I've told them, please don't run for office. Go out and get some new friends. And I've asked my Democratic friends, how many of your close friends are conservative Republicans? And if they say no, I tell them, go get some new friends. Because if all your friends look like you, think like you, vote like you, brother, you need some new friends. And and if you aspire to serve in public office where you represent all of us, how in the world are you going to have those voices informing the way you think? So, so those are the three criteria I look for when I visit oh, with someone awesome. who says I'm interested in running for office. But in terms of service and aims, I'll go really fast. I would divide these between the organic and the intentional. So the organic, if the parable of the Good Samaritan tells us anything, is that we need to be ready to serve no matter who comes along. And as those opportunities come along, we need to have a posture of yes. And so um, that's also a good topic for a podcast is how that parable of the Good Samaritan should shape the way that we get up in the morning and we say, yes, Lord, I don't know what you have for me. I'm in. Where is this journey going today? Who are those people that you've given me an opportunity to serve? And then, but I, I do want to suggest that Mark 1045 should also help us to be intentional with the way in which we serve. And there are lots and lots of ways. And so whether it's, and you should find things that you're passionate about, whether it's mentoring or tutoring, um, 
Uh, and and there's just so many different ways. People come out of our jails and prisons and we wonder why the recidivism rate is so high. They don't have a place to live. They don't have a place to work. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's uh, Matthew 25. Come on. That, those are places where the church needs to find itself creating paths of hope for those who need hope. Um, and I want to say a special word to businesses. Um, I, I'm pretty plugged in with the business community names, and there are businesses that are um, givers, they're change agents, and there are businesses that are just takers. And what I want to say to business owners is that making money and having a successful business is not an end. It's a means to an end. And so apply the George Bailey test. And, and if you or your business or how about your church disappear, would anyone notice that Cornerstone was gone? Besides the traffic would be much better on Highway 30 <laughs> on Sunday mornings. Would great. anyone really care if Cornerstone disappeared, if we closed our doors? That's a hard question that I want our leadership and I want mm-hmm. us as individuals to embrace that question. Man, I love that, Tim. Okay, I want to ask, give me a quick hit, Tim, on the question I get asked when people talk about politics is so often the voting politics question. So if you were coaching people on how to vote and to get involved there, are you, you know, because I love that your model, when when people say, how do I get involved in politics? You don't first jump into how do you get involved in election voting politics? You got into how do I serve the community I love? I, I love that that's the first step. But voting can be a part of this. So coach people a little bit there. How would you counsel people who are considering who do I vote for? How do I vote? Um, well, um, I, I look at three criteria when I vote. Um, policy positions, uh, experience, and character. And uh, in case you're curious, I don't vote straight ticket. Because one party doesn't have all the right answers and certainly don't have all the character. And so, um, you know, one of the things I want to make sure I stress to those who are listening is guys, be very, very careful of those who would tell you how to vote. There, there are organizations and, and candidates who want to press your evangelical buttons. But I want to take you back in time. Remember, Adolf Hitler talked extensively about a Christian nation. Is that sounding familiar? And he talked, you know, invoked the name of God in his messages. That was Adolf Hitler. And, and so I'm not suggesting that everyone who invokes the name of Christ as a politician is insincere. But let's just be wise and, and be um, and not naive and vulnerable. And one of the things, again, it's such a huge topic is where we get our news from. I mean, it's hard. I, I start following the news uh, when I start the day until I end the day. And I, I look at a variety of different news sources um, and I find articles that I probably disagree with and I read them because it causes me to think. And so uh, please find news sources that may have a different worldview than yours. Um, I read the Wall Street Journal and New York Times, both of those um, and the editorials because they speak differently. They come from different worldviews. That's good for me. If you're living in Fox News world or you're living in CNBC or whatever, those different, you know, you need to get out of the exclusivity. You can listen to those, but just invite other voices because that's good for you. 
Ah, it's really, really good counsel. That's really good counsel. So Tim, give me um, maybe a final word. It might be a, a, a encouragement, a word of warning is people are just listening out here thinking, okay, this is really giving me so much food for thought. Where do I go from here? Give us kind of a final word, Tim. So uh, a word for churches and then a word for us, a word for churches. You need to figure out how to deal with people like me, because oftentimes people who serve in the public square don't have the church leadership doesn't know what to do with us. And so I would say to church leaders who are listening to this, find those people who are serving and draw them in and bring them in and pray for them. Um, I remember to my shame when uh, President Obama was in office and I realized I spent a lot of time criticizing his policies and very little time praying for him. And that started a prayer shift in my prayer life. And I started praying for President Obama and his wife and his beautiful daughters. And you know what? It changed the, the way that I think about this person. And I grew in my love for him and I prayed for his safety and for wisdom. And can, can we, can we start following what the Bible says about praying for our leaders? First Timothy two from the pulpits in our connection groups. We need to take seriously the admonition to pray because it changes our hearts. And so often we're quick to criticize our leaders. Well, how quick are we to pray for them? And and that needs to resonate top to bottom in our churches. Mm. And, And I would say, too, for people who are interested in running for office, I would be happy to have coffee with anyone who is interested in this and talk about the pros and cons and and brainstorm. But I want to assure you, politics, like many things, can become an idol. And so be careful of what your heart grabs onto. Christ must be king. And the good news is he wins. Um, And so um, sometimes I get afraid and I worry about this and that. And I'm just reminded, in the end, Christ wins. Yeah. Amen. The... The final victory of Christ is a good word to end on here, Tim. I'm, I just want to say publicly on this podcast and as many times as I get the chance to do so, how grateful I am for you, uh, for your leadership, for your service through the years. And uh, Tim, we're, we're just grateful for the time that you spent on the podcast today. And so for all of you listening, again, uh, you want to get a hold of Tim, just reach out to me via email, contact me or anybody at Cornerstone, love to connect to you there. But um, take a look at some of the books that you heard today. And as Christians, again, be, probably the starting point is to start praying. We know what the Bible commands us to do there. Pray for those in leadership and then open your eyes. We're recording this in the Christmas season. This will air around the New Year season. Take a look around you and just begin your day saying, God, you're leading me on a journey to love people. How can I love people today? So again, Tim, thanks for being on the podcast. For all of you, thanks for listening. Go be faithful where God has called you today. 